I'm Shannon. And I am Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, heard, experienced to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Uh, Shannon, one of my favorite rides at a at a Disneyland is called Rise of the Resistance. It's a Star Wars themed ride. Okay. Um, I like that it has three words uh, that two of them start with R's uh-huh. and that the third word is resistance. Um, that was just a random fact I wanted to tell you. What are we talking about this week that has nothing to do with what I just said? that ties in perfectly this week we're talking about a book called rest is resistance you guys i hope i hope we all enjoy rami's tries on these introductions they're just great i don't even try okay so today we're exploring the book rest is resistance by trisha hersey uh this book explores the concept of rest as a form of resistance and the importance of self-care especially for marginalized communities have you heard of the nap ministry rami no. You're not really on social media these days, so that's probably why. So Trisha Hersey is the founder of the NAP Ministry, for people who might be more familiar with that than her book, Rest is Resistance. She's a big proponent of napping, as you may be, or just like resting in general, clearly. It's like her thing. Okay, so this book offers a powerful and I think necessary message about the value of rest in our culture, one that often a culture that often is prioritizing productivity and overwork. So a couple of themes we're going to talk about. First, that rest is truly a necessity. Second, how rest is an act of resistance. And finally, maybe kind of familiar to theme two, but you know, the book thinks of these as different things. How self-care can also be like a political act. Oh. Yeah. I like how um, strong the words are and like the tension in almost every single piece of this including the title of the book like there's a lot of tension uh i think it very much evokes emotion yes across every single thing that we're going to discuss which i'm pumped about because it seems like people aren't taking the idea of rest seriously enough that like we have to be aggressive with how we talk about it to get people to actually absorb and like acknowledge yeah and i would really truly encourage people to go and buy this book and <laughs> listen to it because just listening to her I, I i listened to the audiobook just listening to her voice as she says these things her voice is very soothing <laughs> and also she does use very uh charged language like language mm-hmm. that like you feel something when you hear that word so it's, it's powerful. It's like an interesting dichotomy. Okay, so let's dive into the first theme that is all about how rest is a necessity. So this is things, things that I've talked about before, right? I feel like we've talked about rest, restoration, why it's important. In the book, she emphasizes the importance of rest as truly a fundamental human need. It is not a luxury. It is truly a necessity. It is not something to be earned or achieved after completing work, but truly a basic right that everyone is entitled to. Why she feels that way. There's a couple of different bits in the book that I tried to summarize. She feels this way because rest gets people back to the truest version of themselves, you know, because when we when our bodies in our state of stress, we're 
We're literally acting from our stress response, fight, flight, fawn, freeze. So rest is how we get back to our truest version. Rest uplifts and boosts us, allowing us to know that we are enough. Even as I was writing the recap for this and I read that again, I was like, oh, just felt that in my bones, you know? I was talking with some folks on Instagram yesterday and they were expressing stress or frustration around feeling like they're never enough. And then when I read this in the book again, I thought rest, I think, is really the only way to begin to believe that we are enough again, because it's like you're enough to just be. I don't know if I'm making sense. You are. And we're going to do, I think, a side hug at some point on on that, because I have some really cool examples of that. Oh, I want to hear more already. Uh, And then third rest is a way in which we care for our soul and rest is an active part of our quote unquote healing plans as she calls it. So a direct quote from her book on rest and what it is. She says, when you're re- when you rest, your body is in its most connected state. Your organs are regenerating. Your brain is processing new information. You are connecting with the spiritual practice. You are honoring your body. You are being present. All of these things are foundational for liberation and healing to take root. Rami, let's chat a little bit. How has the culture of overwork and productivity affected your life personally? I think it's wild how like interconnected everything is Uh and maybe not even interconnected, but just like connected. Like if I need to get a hold of someone, I can get a hold of them at any time, at any place in any way. Um, So it definitely, like, there are times where I don't have my phone and it very much stresses me out. Mm. And there are times where I don't have my phone and it very much, like, relaxes me and makes me feel great. Mm. Um, And I, I know that that is a unhealthy thing, but I really appreciate the times where I, like, don't have my phone or know where it is. And I'm just like, yep, don't worry. Don't need it. Great. Live my life. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an article recently that was saying, I don't even know what these new generations are called anymore (laughs) that are behind us, but people younger than us are buying old, like Nokia style phones. phones Yeah. So they can be more disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, chef's kiss, you know, it's just like, stunning gorgeous oh yeah um i think i've talked before like yeah the culture of overwork and productivity has affected my life huge hugely i think part of it for me was growing up on a farm there was no separation between work and life and also um an aha that i had recently is that i have i have a high i I have a high level of urgency that's never been surprising, (laughs) but where it came from has been interesting. Cause I think that also comes from the farming background. Like literally animals would die if you didn't do shit when you needed to do shit, you know, Mm -hmm. or you would lose a whole crop if you didn't do something when you had a window to do it. And so I think that really got into my body and my nervous system at a young age, but I inappropriately, I have an overcoupling, right? That everything needs to be urgent because of that. And it's not true. Um, so yeah, it's been a big unlearning for me, which is probably why I like this book so much. Do you find it difficult to prioritize rest? 
It's interesting because we talked about this in that Fair Play episode 185. Uh-huh. About how your, like, main priority as a family is rest. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. In terms of, like, how Nate and I d- choose to divide tasks, we focus on, the focus is on rest, right? How can we get to rest sooner versus equity or whatever in the tasks? And so I think that's kind of our priority, too. And so we f- manufacture ways to allow rest to exist. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing is, and I can talk about this as a parent very specifically, is like, there are moments where, like, throughout the day, if Prince is at, like, school or whatever, I'm like, I need to have my phone. I, like, need to be around. I need to be, like, in case something happens. Yes. In case something happens. And then I remember it was last Sunday. Deanna and Prince were, like, doing gardening in the backyard. I didn't know where my phone was. And I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about anything right now like i know that the if something did happen to the kid like his mom is right there like no issues and like i don't care if anybody else reaches out to me like i'm just gonna like be and i think it's those moments as an uh, as a parent for me at least that are like the most relaxing where it's like oh i know the kid is like in a safe place with a safe person and like i don't have to do anything else so like now i can like truly like rest Mm. and like i feel like that's a level of rest that is so nice but not always available yeah yeah i just want to like take a sigh hearing that (laughs) that does sound really nice and it reminds me how nate uh I'm, i'm trying to work on my sleep right now guys and i charge my phone by the bed which is a big mistake because you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I inevitably pick up my phone. I used to charge my phone downstairs, but because of having elderly parents who need things sometimes in the middle of the night, I keep my phone by the bed again. But even as you were saying that, I was thinking, there are other siblings. Like, if I don't pick up the phone, some, like, I have other siblings that can be called, mm-hmm. you know? Hmm, interesting. Okay, the second theme that I want to talk about is rest as an act of resistance. So in the book, Trisha argues that rest can be a radical act of resistance against oppressive systems. So think things like capitalism, white supremacy, the patriarchy. And that by prioritizing rest, individuals can challenge societal norms that prioritize overwork and productivity at the expense of mental and physical health. So in essence, again, like she's saying, it's a form of resistance demonstrating that our bodies do not belong to these systems of oppression, capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, our bodies belong to us. And there's some quotes that she has that I just want to like sprinkle in here. She says, I do not belong to the systems. They cannot have me. I will never donate my body to a system that views it as only a tool for its production. Like, that doesn't hit you i don't know what will and then another part of the book she says to be colonized is to accept and buy into the lie of our worth being connected to how much we get done i know i was not meant to exhaust myself inside a violent system rami (laughs) i'm wondering if we can chat about this concept a little bit that rest can be an act of resistance 
Can you think of any examples where rest has been used as a form of resistance in history or even like contemporary society today? I can share one while you're thinking. Yes. That she talks please. about in the book. Uh, I've since bought this book. I haven't had a chance to start reading it just yet. But she talks about something, uh, a group of folks called the American Maroons. Have you ever heard of the American Maroons? No. Okay. So these were uh, a, a group of folks who created their own, like they they never accepted that they were slaves when the United States had slavery. They escaped slavery and created their own little communities in the, I think it was like in the hills of Virginia. Um, and in the book, she says that she emphasizes they were not runaways. They simply never accepted the role of enslavement and never allowed the plantation to be home. And she uses that parallel to encourage all of us to act like maroons in the current system of capitalism to say, we don't just because this is how it is just because slavery was how it was at that time. We do, we can, we can say, I am not participating in this. I think it's fucking hard to do that. (laughs) But she says uh, that there are examples of people who have done this in history, who have said, I'm just not participating. You want to enslave me and I will not participate. Like I, I will find a way out. And I will live on the outside of this. What do you think about that? I really like it. I think it's difficult for me to think of rest. I know all the things that she's saying, and I agree with all of them. I just find it hard to think of broader spaces where this is happening. I think the idea that What's that quote? I do not belong to the systems. They cannot have me or will never donate my body. It only sees it as a tool for production. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is that like, I will do what I want. Not because you're asking me to, but because I want to do those specific things. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I get and I like, I just don't understand specifically how to do that okay so we'll talk about that we'll talk about that later in the in the tactical when we're closing of like what are tactical ways that you can rest i think i think don't i think don't overthink it you know i think i already overthought it yeah i think you maybe did too because we go to a place where we think i gotta be i gotta be doing a bunch of shit in order to be resisting these systems when really rest is a huge act of resistance. Like for me personally, I think about the amount of shame that still lives in my nervous system about the fact that I do not work every single day of the week right now. You know, on Mondays, I don't work. I don't work like for my business. I go and I support my parents in caregiving, right? The fact that I still feel shame in my body, you know, indicates that I'm still living under the oppression of the system, right? That tells me I should be working all the time. And also, Mm. it is an act of resistance for me to say, no, I am not participating in the system that says that I should just like keep working more because I can, should keep making more money because I can. I'm saying no, 
that's not the most important thing in my life right now. I'm choosing to go unplug and, and be with my parents instead. Got it. So that is an act of resistance because I'm not participating in the system that says, okay, now you're getting spicy, Shannon. I'm thinking of all the women that I've talked to over the years who continue to pursue – I'm getting into dangerous territory – who continue to pursue advancement in their careers just because – just because that's the thing that they should do. Just because that's like what society tells them they should want to pursue. That's not society, by the way. That's capitalism that can be and has been a very oppressive system to many, many people. <laughs> so can we just pause for a minute? Sometimes I think, wow, I think about all the people who are working in excess, who who have more than enough money, who don't need to keep pursuing more. What if they took those buckets of time and freaking did something else? What if they went and freaking marched for God reform? <laughs> can you tell what's on my mind lately, folks? What if they uh, got engaged in local politics? But no, they're so committed to this to I'm saying unconsciously, right? I, I am still unconsciously committed to upholding the system of capitalism, of the patriarchy, that we believe we should keep working instead of maybe saying enough is enough. I have enough. Let me contribute or be a part of connecting with other people that maybe don't have enough instead of continue to earn more when I already live quite comfortably. I don't know. I'm sure people will disagree with that. I just went on a tangent. Shannon, I heard that self-care could be political, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's our next theme that we're already, like, segueing yeah, into. Yeah, self-care can be political. Okay, so the the final thing is that the book highlights in the po- highlights the political dimension of self-care, especially for marginalized communities, uh, and that the act of caring for oneself can challenge and disrupt oppressive systems that seek to marginalize and dehumanize individuals. In the book, she says, marginalized women, specifically black and Latina women, make up the largest group of laborers in a capitalist system. Our labor is historically used to make the lives of white women less hectic and more relaxed. So that's, that's a very <laughs> confronting quote, right? Can I tell you something, Shana? Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Um, I used to live in a like very, very affluent neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm going to give you an example, and it's a funny example, but it also is exactly what you're saying here. Uh Anytime I saw a brown woman pushing a stroller, it always had a white kid in it. Yep. And anytime I saw a white lady pushing a stroller, it had a dog in it. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Snap. Right. And maybe there are like exceptions to that, but I would say it happened enough that I was like, oh, yep. Brown lady, definitely white kid. Oh, white lady. Like 99% of the time there's a puppy like in that stroller. Mm -hmm. So all of that say, yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, wow. That's a visual that smacks you upside over the head. If if you want validation of, of this quote, Mm -hmm. I I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so it's something to wrestle with, right? It's something to wrestle with a little bit. Uh, If you're a white woman listening to this, we're not saying you can't take care of yourself, but like, can we be mindful of this a little bit? And can we find, maybe it goes back to your episode, Rami, that we just talked about in terms of uh, philosophies to pursue and whatnot. 
it's can we also find some pleasure in the we in caring for the we in the collective and check in with ourselves on how uncomfortable it might be for us to rest or for us to witness other people at rest. Let me ask this question, Shannon. Yeah. Um, for, we talked about this. If, I don't remember when we talked about this, but we talked about it. The idea of like paying someone to clean your house. Yeah. Everyone. I, I will again say we are very lucky. We can afford to have someone come and clean our house. Yes. Same. Everyone who's ever cleaned my house has always been a uh, Latina woman. Yes. And uh, I have a white wife and it has been made to make her life less hectic and more relaxed. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I've battled that same thing because I have the same experience. It's Latino women and men. Or I think um, the woman of a woman that I will go to for massages is a black woman. And for me, maybe it goes back to what I said in the episode that we just did a couple weeks ago on different philosophies, moral philosophies. How can we, for me, I think about it as how can we approach the both and, because I know that for this woman, uh, if I were like, Oh, I'm not going to pay you to give me a massage from time to time anymore because I don't want to, you know, I don't know. Relax, relax on your labor. Yeah. That, that would actually be, I know verbatim from that would actually be very harmful to this person's livelihood. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's also like what allows people who choose to do those jobs to survive. So I think maybe the question is, how can we find the both and right? How can we care for the bigger collective? So if we are too much in a me mindset where we're only ever focused on, me 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 how can i rest more how can i relax more and we're not trying to contribute to what systems of oppression need to change to support these people who maybe are black and brown who are different from me having capacity to rest can i participate in being a part of that solution at the same time yeah i think it's being mindful too about like how and when because it may be that like it's most convenient for us to meet them at 7 p.m., uh-huh. but it may be most convenient for them to meet us at noon or something. Yep. And so maybe maybe that's just a little way that we can help with that piece of it. Yes. Yeah, I like that perspective. That's another good one. Okay, so in closing, quote from Trisha's book, last one I'll read, I promise. Rest is not popular, supported, or modeled in this culture. It is an outlier movement until capitalism and white supremacy are dismantled. Therefore, we cannot wait until we are told it's okay to rest. No one will tell you this. You, except for like maybe me and Robbie, (laughs) you will have to make space for yourself and others around you to rest. Okay, so how can you take this to a tactical place and maybe not overthink it too much as we talked about earlier in the episode well first overthink it maybe a little bit engage in reflection think about what would intentional rest look like for you at this point in your life sketch and out a visual a little bit rest and then in the the other thing i want to share is uh i won't list this whole thing maybe i'll just pick two or three and rami i'm curious for you to look through the list and see if there's like two or three that you would want to call out rest can look like Uh, closing your eyes for 10 minutes 
rest can look like daydreaming by staring out a window. I did that for five minutes before we jumped on to record this episode. Rest can look like not immediately responding to texts and emails. That's a big one for me that actually does give me a lot of sense of rest in my nervous system to just pause before I play into that urgency gene that I talked about earlier. What are maybe two or three that you want to call out Rami of examples of what rest might look like for you? Uh, As a nerd who listens to vinyl, I like the idea of deep listening to a full album. Uh Uh-huh. I like the idea of the dancing. Yes. Prince always wants to do that, especially when he's not supposed to be doing it. Uh, But I find it to be very restful when we do do it at the appropriate times. And I like that idea of daydreaming, whether you want to stare out a window or you want to like sit in your outdoor space or wherever it is. I think the idea of just disconnecting and like letting your mind flow, I think is really fun if you have the ability to do that. Yeah. So consider those as examples of how you might engage in rest as a form of resistance today and share with us on social media. What form of rest are you going to choose to take on? take on Oof! look at that language even right there what are what form of rest are you going to try today to practice resistance in your own little way i love it okay with that i've been shannon and i've been rami and this has been workplace hugs <laughs>